This, the Chad and Cheese podcast, brought to you in partnership with TA Tech. TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Visit tatech.org. Okay, Joel, quick question. Yep. What happens when your phone vibrates or your texting alert goes off? <laughs> Dude, I pretty much check it immediately. And I bet everyone listening is reaching to check their phones right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I call it our Pavlovian dog reflex to text messaging. Yeah, that's probably why text messaging has a freaking 97% open rate. What? Crazy high candidate response rate within the first hour alone. Which are all great reasons why the Chad and Cheese podcast love yeah. text to hire from Next. Love it. Yep, that's right. Next with the double X, not the triple X. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. So if you're in talent acquisition, <laughs> you want true engagement and great ROI. That stands for return on investment, folks. And yes. because this is the Chad and Cheese podcast, you can try your first text to hire campaign for just 25% off. Boom. Wow. So how do you get this discount? You're asking yourself right now. Tell them, Chad. It's very simple. You go to chadcheese.com and you click on the next logo in the sponsor area. Easy. No long URL to remember. Yeah. Just go where you know. Chadcheese.com and next with two X's. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. It's time to do this. Ho, ho. This is uh, Chad Sowash. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to Torn Ellis, diversity strategist, published author you might have heard him on sirius xm radio he does a little contribution there um torn's all over the place man but he is a diversity stud torn say hi to the listeners man ah that big good morning we like it we like it we like it and i absolutely appreciate the both of you for giving me some time some bandwidth you know, let's jostle a little bit and have some fun. Torn, this is Joel Cheeseman, uh, the co-host of the show. Uh, we're meeting for the first time. The name Torin is not a common name. Is there a story behind that? No, it's not. Actually, it's a Scottish name and it means king. And my mother, uh, when she was 18, um, a lot of people told her that she nor her children because they kind of were clairvoyant and they figured she'd have multiple uh, kings and queens. And so they said that neither you nor your children would be successful. You got to understand that I grew up in a time, I was born in a time where a black man could not swim in the Atlantic Ocean. I'm not talking about a pool in a community. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, the YMCA. I'm talking black people could not swim in South Florida in the Atlantic Ocean. And so a lot of her instructors told her that she would never be successful. And she said she would start naming her firstborn with a name that had power. And so it means king. Was that some undue pressure on you, though, to be a king? No, not at all. Absolutely. Uh, I felt like, uh, you know, I, first of all, I didn't know what it meant until probably, you know, 20 years old or so. Uh, but no, no pressure whatsoever. I mean, my mother and my father were incredible uh, role models. They were incredible parents. And so they just raised me to be human, if you will. They raised me to 
try to, uh, you know, respect the law and follow directions and do the best that I could. And so that's what we've tried to do. We've made a couple of mistakes, but we're here now. We're good. Well, today we're here to talk about diversity. We talk about diversity, a couple of angry white guys, as, as, as you'd like to call us, uh, talk about <laughs> diversity on the right. show. And I thought, you know, let's get somebody who really gets down deep into diversity and let's let's really let's get into the scrum on this one. Let's talk about what needs to happen, what is happening and all the bullshit talk that's happening out there. So can, can, can I interject because yeah. I'm, I'm the newbie in this diversity thing? Yeah, I'd like to hear a definition of diversity from someone who is really knowledgeable about this. Oh, it's real simple for me. It's um, bringing unknown resources, people, things together uh, and not being afraid to be married, if you will. And just think about that. I mean, like, I don't need a complicated academic de uh, definition. It's about just bringing things that are not necessarily uh, normal to be together, mm -hmm. bringing cultural insiders, cultural outsiders, bringing them together and not being afraid to be, quote, married, professionally, socially, communal, if you will. It's bringing stuff together. That's it. Got it. Getting away from the old generic boring bullshit and trying to spice it up flavor right absolutely right, absolutely. right? i mean the yeah, diversity absolutely. of thought i mean we talk about background so we it doesn't matter what kind of background um but we talk about trying to bring that diverse thought in 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 most cases the way that you get that diverse thought is from an individual who is nothing like you it doesn't have the same kind of opinions or ideas, or maybe in some cases there, there are obviously some common grounds, but how do you, how do you really excel in being able to, to, to drive diversity? And that, that's always been my thought. Well, and again, when you take it like that, so I use the phrase cultural insider. Yeah. On your side, Joel and Chad are cultural insiders, both uh -huh. white men. Yep. I'm the cultural outsider in this conversation. Yet we are still grooving already. Two, three minutes in, we're already in our flow, getting that mojo, and we're about to make an incredible conversation come forth. That's what I'm talking about, just bringing it together and not being afraid to do that. Now, on you all side, mm -hmm. there's still a difference in who you all are. Chad is different than Joel, vice versa. But together, you know, there's a little bit of cultural outsiderness, if you will. But for the most part, you all are cultural insiders bringing the two together, outsiders, insiders, and making magic happen. So why is it so hard? I mean, we get three guys get on, get on a mic, right? And we start talking and we start the flow right out of the gate. And you have this sharing of ideas and opinions. Why is it so hard for companies to be able to really grasp this? They talk about it all the time, but we aren't seeing it in the actual numbers. And I know, you know, we don't talk about benchmarks or per hiring percentages, but it is important to understand the actual composition of a workforce to understand whether you really are diverse or not. Right? No, absolutely. And I think companies have struggled for a variety of reasons. You know, n n too many of them have had demoralizing results. They've had fatigue of conversation. And, you know, honestly, Chad, that's because a lot of them have had uh, faulty plans, Band-Aid-like tactics, right. if you will. Let's kind of show up at this one event. Yeah. Just one. I mean, there's 15,000 events that a person can go to. Let's just do one of them. 
Well, that's what I call a band-aid. You know, companies have struggled because they've had drips of interest versus that full throttle effort. There's absolutely no way that uh, for, you know, whatever software, two point, whatever, 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 you would kind of half ass go at it. You would put your entire team on it to make it right. Even though you may deploy a version that's not 100% ready, you're not going to leave that lack of or that gap of closure out there in the marketplace. They're going to have their team fully on that, trying to make it make it right. So that full thought or effort has been missing inside of a lot of organizations. Oftentimes, people like myself, strategists and consultants and trainers, we go in and we go in with a punitive uh, conversation around uh, leadership and white men, if you will. And, you know, shit, nobody wants to get beat down on like that. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that 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 doesn't necessarily bode well for bringing bringing about progress. Uh, but but most of all, what I think is is really missing from uh, most of the work that's being done. And mind you, when I do diversity strategy, I'm not doing it uh, for, for bias training or unconscious bias training. I'm not doing it. Uh, for anything other than I'm looking at the recruiting lens, I'm looking at how do we build high performing mm-hmm. teams. And I absolutely feel like recruiters and sources are the vanguard of incredible organizations. We are the front line, if you will. And so I do my work focused on them. The main reason why I feel like companies have struggled is because for, for the last 10, 15 years, if you will, it's been more of a social imperative versus a business imperative. And, and people like myself, if you will, have not necessarily done an incredible job of connecting the value of diversity to the organization. They have not connected the value of diversity across the chain, hiring, training, and advancing employees, procurement, product design, and marketing. We have missed that particular piece. And so I think that the reason why me and my team are successful is because we get away from, we, we don't discount the social side of it, but we focus more on the business side. Torn, you touched on technology a little bit and Chad and I, it's a common topic for us. And there, there are subjects around uh, programmatic you know, recruiting where AI and machines are sourcing candidates, or you look at um, virtual workspaces and, and how companies are, are sort of expanding and not having headquarters or sites like Upwork where, uh, you know, the value of a worker is based on their reviews and what people that have worked with them or, or they've done jobs for um, review them. And it has less about, say, color, um, creed, religion, et cetera. Are you optimistic about the, the technology or is it more of a Band-Aid and, and something that is not covering up the real problem? I am optimistic about the technology because I feel like this gig economy that we're in provides access for more individuals to participate. Now, certainly there are some levels of pause for mm-hmm. me, um, pause in the sense of, you know, whether or not uh, these freelance or consultants, if you will, are being compensated and treated the way that they should be treated. I'm really about humanity. I'm, I'm like 1000 percent in 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 you. you let me say it this way. I care as much about the candidate as I do about the company. And if I had to take my choice, I'm going to always side with the candidate, even though the company is the one that pays me. I just feel like we should do right by people. So I am optimistic in the sense that technology can uh, uh, extend the border. It can put a, nif- a different perimeter around people and their ability to to pursue opportunity. But I also take pause in the fact that if we don't have enough 
underrepresented individuals in the rooms that are creating this technology, then these technologies are going to exclude us uh, on a continual basis going forward. And so I do want to see uh, platforms like Upwork and other organizations, if you will. I do want to see them uh, have more underrepresented talent, uh, people that are black and brown, people that are differently able, people that are uh, from different religious and political backgrounds, if you will. I want to see a variety of diversity building the technology so that all of the touch points uh, don't leave people out, if that makes sense. That does. It not a good amount of this actually based off of just the basic job description and how they've been written over the years and all the different requirements that really aren't requirements that push out different groups? Uh, I, I mean, you can say that, um, you know, but 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 in my time, see, I've been recruiting since 1998 on my own. Mm-hmm. I have never. And I mean this, I can say it without, without any apology. I've never shared a job description with a candidate because I don't care about the job description. Mm-hmm. I need to understand from the hiring manager, what is it that you really need in this individual? And so while some people may not, and the reason for that is because when I worked at MCI, I wasn't the best writer, if you will. And I actually missed out on a couple of promotions because my writing skills, according to the center director, were not up to par. Hmm. And so the, the job description for me is, while it's key, it gives me a bit of a guide, a sense of something to go by. I don't see that as being what's pushing people out. I know great companies like Textio and uh, Talvista and others are doing some work around optimizing job descriptions, if you will. And I most certainly appreciate that. I absolutely do. Right. But I feel like the job description is just but a part of the process. The 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 cog for me mm-hmm. is the hiring manager. It's that human to human contact. That hiring manager is the problem. And, and I agree, but here's the problem. We start talking about technology. We've got an entirely different conversation because you're not going to see some of those candidates that would be coming through that don't fit the actual requirements because the technology is actually based off the requirements of the job. So therefore the filtering Correct. mechanism comes in place. And some of those individuals that you might drag along for the ride aren't going to be there because they're going to be filtered out by this AI. And that's why I'm saying the actual, the actual base of the information being used on the technology side of the house for AI, machine learning, whatever the hell we want to call it is going to be that job description and the requirements. And if those requirements are really just all bullshit, okay, there are some that are in there. Oh yeah, here and there, we definitely need to have certifications here and there, but they really don't need to have a master's degree or a bachelor's degree or, or, or who knows some of these different requirements that have been thrown in over the years, really just to filter out people. What happens then with technology and how do you consult companies to be able to re really look through their entire strategy from the ground up? Because this is really part of the, the ground up scenario, right? It is. And again, just in how you described it, it underpins and reinforces the need for diversity and inclusion inside of our organizations. And it's needed inside of every point along the value chain, as I illustrated in the beginning of the call. And so whether it be the company that is building the technology that you are using as an ATS whether it be the technology that you are using to do background screening, whether it be Mm -hmm. the technology that you are using to do the first level of contact with a particular candidate, it doesn't matter. That technology needs to be built by people that are diversely representative of the populations that we are going after. That's number one. Number two, our teams need to be diverse. 
our sourcing team should be diverse. Our recruiting team should be diverse. Hopefully our hiring team is going to be diverse and all the way up. And that mitigates, if you will, some of that that technology may be screening out talented individuals, maybe hiring managers uh, exercising or leveraging their bias in the recruiting conversation. The more diversity we have in the process, hopefully the less we will Uh, experience, if you will, this unnecessary screening uh, of talent. I have a really good friend uh, a couple of years ago who was looking for a job and he reached out and I can't remember the company, not that it's important, Mm -hmm. but he actually called the manager after the posting had been up for maybe a week and a half, two weeks, not a long time. Uh But the manager told him, he said, listen, I just pulled the trigger, probably a month. I'm sorry, Chad. Uh, He said probably uh, a month. He said, I just hired someone because I got tired of going through the resumes. And and it was like 400 resumes that I went through. (laughs) Half of them, more than half of them were bullshit. And so he said, I just got tired of going through them. He Mm -hmm. said, had you called me, had you called me, I guarantee you, I would have interviewed you. I guarantee you, you would have probably been in the top two or three. And so I just understand that, you know, the technology is but a part of, of, of this particular process. And Joel, what I have always said to people is, People do the best job of hiring people. I appreciate the technology, but I don't believe any tool is going to outperform me and my ability to make a great decision. Let me switch gears from uh, technology for a little bit and talk about government. Um, What role, where is government failing? Uh, Where is maybe government doing too much? Um, One example that I can think of uh, in a short time in the background check industry is the ban the box issue. And, you know, we should employers be able to ask, uh, about criminal records or are they a felon, et cetera. What are your views, I guess, on government in terms of what they can do or maybe where they're overreaching uh, in the diversity uh, issue? So let me just say that uh, we have something in the neighborhood of 70 to 100 million uh, offenders or ex-offenders uh, running around uh, the country right now. Mm-hmm. Many of them, like a largest of them are for you know distribution, if you will, nonviolent crimes. And so I firmly believe that We should have banned the box type um, legislation Mm -hmm. in every single state. I firmly believe that banned the box legislation. I think that the only time that should ever be an issue is for somebody who has experienced a, a violent crime. And then even then we really evaluate that on an individual and case by case basis. I think that we can do a better job of, of understanding if you apply uh, the human touch, uh, some common sense, a few great questions, uh, a background check, perhaps a, a review of a person's prison records, if you will. I think we can get to a point where we can say this person is one that we can bring into our organization with limited access or limited exposure or whatever, limited, limited interaction. But I don't feel like it should be a person checking a box because I've served some time and now I'm I'm absolutely uh, non-considered for, for almost any type of employment. I think that that's just an absolute waste, if you will. So legislate, legislatively, mm-hmm. we should put a ban the box uh, piece in every state. And then as employers, we should operate with discretion. So don't you think this is the time for that right now? We have such a crunch. The the, the new numbers came out, jobs over 200,000. I mean, you're under 4% unemployment. This is the time. I'm talking to companies right now who, I mean, whether it's manufacturing all the way through, they, they're having problems 
finding talent. We're seeing um, uh, surveys coming out where recruiters are saying this is the hardest it's ever been for them in 20 years or what have you in trying to find candidates. This is a workforce that, again, they need to put a roof over their family's head. They need to put food in their family's mouths. These are individuals who might have done wrong, but goodness gracious, they've done their time. Isn't this the time right now to make this happen? It's absolutely the time. And again, we can't have it both ways. And I say we, I'll use we putting myself in a variety of different disciplines and roles, Mm -hmm. if you will. We can't have it both ways. We can't keep them uh, from applying and being able to secure, procure, procure uh, employment. And then on the flip side, get mad when we just can't do that. And, and, and it's not necessarily working for us. The phrase war for talent comes into play, whether it be us uh, talking about felons or whether it be just in general. We've been saying the phrase war for talent for 20 mm-hmm. years, 20 20 years. So how played out is that? That's absolutely played out when we know we have a contingent of capable individuals that are lingering on the sidelines, ready to get in the game, ready to play. But we're, we have these rules and these perceptions that are keeping them from playing. 70 million jobs does an incredible uh, uh, job of employing uh, offenders, if you will. So I think that now is is, is definitely the time. I want to stick on uh, government a little bit, or at least politics. Um, and and I, I couldn't let you go without just asking the current state of, of the country. Um, on one hand, I feel like it's, it's as divided as ever. Um, and on the other hand, I feel sort of like maybe it's energizing a group that wouldn't have been energized otherwise and bringing issues to the forefront that maybe wouldn't have been Uh, had we not had such a volatile sort of leader of our country. I'm curious about your thoughts um, on diversity, just politically, uh, immigration. Um, Is Trump bad for this or good for this? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, I absolutely feel like he's bad for this. And and if you're going to, um, and let me try to answer this non-politically, if you will. If you're going to... uh, uh, fight against immigration when we have uh, immigrants that are killing right. the business yeah, market yeah, yeah. right now, killing in a good way, you know, slaying vernacular. I mean, doing incredible things. Then, then why are we doing it? The, why are we cracking down on 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 immigration the way that he's doing it? Why why not crack down on the people that are hiring the immigrants? Why are we not doing that? Like if we if we're going to do this, let's just do it the right way. Not not once again, these band-aids, if you will. So I'm going to get the person from Honduras and Nicaragua and other uh, uh, or, uh, comp- countries that are, are trying to get away from um, harrowing opportunity or, you know, things that are just, you know, putting their lives in danger or their economy or family in danger or less than. Uh, but I'm not going to go after mm-hmm. the guy who's hiring the woman that's hiring them. That absolutely makes no sense. And, you know, I, I just think about I don't know, man, I just feel like you, you, there's there's certainly a better way for us to do all of this. And when we look at how many immigrants have come to the country and started organizations that are hiring tens of thousands of individuals, hundreds of individuals, when we think about countries countries right now that are copying all of the work and technology mm-hmm. that we're doing over here. I just feel like we can do a better job of this from a, a, a governmental standpoint. feels like blunt force trauma in some cases. 
I mean, it really does. So Absolutely. I'm going to kind of kick back to the, the business side of the house. So, you know, in being able to, in some cases where I'm dealing with some of my clients on the veteran side of the house, it's interesting because they want to, and I want to kind of get your reaction, you know, whether it's kind of parallel to what I'm seeing as well on the veteran side, you know, everybody wants to hire veterans. It's all there. So I want to hire veterans. I love it. But yet... It, you talk about that one event. I went to that one event and you know what? It just didn't work out for me. Not to mention it was a free event. And then they're always looking for these free resources. Yeah. And I'm always, you know, it's, it's free is, is not a strategy, obviously, but what I'm seeing or what I've seen over the years and in most cases, not all is that companies will not commit. They will say that they are interested, but they will not commit by actually putting budget in resources to that specific problem. Are you seeing that in the diversity community overall? Absolute window dressing. Uh, there is no reason, none whatsoever, why we are still 50 years after legislation basically having the very same conversation. It comes down to skill versus will. And I have said this. I love that. Uh, uh, probably since 2012, skill versus will. I can stand on a stage and talk about Chrome extensions <laughs> and technology. And, you know, I can do all of those great things. But if you don't care about doing diversity, if you don't want to go the extra effort, then it's not going to happen. Skill versus will. Let me tell you, uh, inside of the book, Blue Ocean Shift, I don't know if you are familiar with that book, but there is an, a, a case study in there uh, for Citizen M Hotel. And really what they did was they said, we're not going to continue to, to try to compete against people that are in our space, the Red Ocean strategy. We're going to look at new ways of doing it because there's right. a lot of room in the Blue Ocean, if you will. And so what they did is they tried to transform and they actually were successful in transforming that stagnant, low profit, mid range slice of the industry into really a high growth, high profitable, uh, affordable luxury room. And the way that they did it is they they really just did a survey. They said, you know, how do we go out? Wh why is it that people are going to luxury hotels? You know, luxury, luxury hotels. Mm -hmm. Is it the room? I mean, is it the price? And people are like, hell no, we're not trying to pay more money to sleep. I mean, we don't, we don't, that's not the reason why we are going to a luxury hotel, five-star hotel. And they went down this checklist of all of these different things. And it really came down to like three things, uh, location, comfort of their sleep. And the third one is surprising, <laughs> but it was the quality of the water. Like, can we get a shower. high pressure, oh, yeah. great shower in the morning, you know? Can, can I sleep well in the evening? So when they did it, they said, well, we can do away with concierge and we can put kiosks in and we can do all of these things that are not necessarily costing us a lot of money. We can restrict or constrict our lobby size and we can add more room, if you will, to the rooms. We can add more amenities to the rooms, make the experience better. And people will will come to our hotel versus going to the five-star hotel. When it comes to diversity, they have been window dressing, man. They've been fighting inside of a red ocean. Everybody says this tool yep. is good, so everybody wants to use this particular tool. Everybody says that this is uh, best in class, so now we want to do this best in class. I have an incredible client, uh, probably one of the most talked about clients this week. Uh, uh, and, and when we first started working together in 2017, they said to me, you know, Torn, we want to be best in class. And to make the story short, 
I said, you don't need to be best in class. You need to be your best. Your organization is far different than the next organization and the next organization. Let's figure out, let's do the forensics to figure out what's necessary to make your organization the best that it can be. And so, you know what? You're not going to, to, to achieve results if we're not committed. Too many companies are not committed. And stop looking for that damn silver bullet because it doesn't exist. It's a, str- no fairy it's a strategy. And you got to go out at this from the ground up and look at programs. And I mean, it's, it's, it's all the way through. So yeah, man, I, I totally get that. I love the skill versus will. That's right. Torn. I, I love that Chad uh, hit on veterans and that's sort of his sweet spot. And I, I think that from my perspective, I think diversity for a lot of people is a color issue. Um, and, and when I think of it, I think more and more of, of the p- people with disabilities, I think of, uh, elderly folks, which are a lot of people, the baby boomers that are aging, uh, that are being sort of displaced because they're thought of as not being tech savvy enough or not having the skills. Um, talk about those two segments and, and what kind of advancement are we are we uh, seeing? Um, are we way behind the eight ball with uh, disabilities and elderly versus maybe some other segments of diversity? Uh, what's going on there? We are. We are behind. Uh, but the bottom line is we, we have to, to do better, if you will, in terms of being interested in it. Again, going back to the skill versus will. Let me just touch on one thing, Joel. The reason why diversity has been so much so referenced as a color thing is because we've allowed corporate heads and the media to to construct that narrative over the last 30 years. They've made it a black versus white thing. They've not allowed it to be a very blossomed definition of diversity where it includes the uh, different genres and uh, groups that you just previously mentioned. And yes, I do believe that Uh, color is important because I feel like a person from a different country is going to add a different context to the conversation. I absolutely believe that if we are sitting in a a strategy meeting or discovery meeting uh, with hiring managers and one of the managers at the table is blind, we're going to have a different conversation around what's needed in the the person that's being hired. Just by the mere fact that Mm -hmm. he or she is blind at the table, the conversation is going to absolutely change. And so I think for organizations, if you really uh, understand and and, and subscribe to the fact that we have uh, a plethora of job openings in technology, we have uh, job openings in manufacturing, we have job openings in healthcare, job openings in the trucking industry, even though automation is the raise and uh, I'm sorry, autonomous vehicles is the rave uh, right now. We still have job openings. We have job openings across the board. And so we must become, I guess, more willing to embrace a more expanded definition of diversity. We must also not be afraid to consider the the positive ramifications of adding color to our environments. And let's face it, you put black and brown people in any environment, that shit is going to pop off and be good anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to, I've got, I've got one more question. Well, yeah. might end up being more. So when you and I first started talking, uh, you'd said that you, you'd listened to a couple of shows and you asked me one pointed question that actually was, it, it caught me off guard. You said, you know, do you get asked uh, if you guys are, are, are you get called angry white dudes? And I was like, no, 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 we don't. And, and then you told me a story and I want you to tell that story. You remember that? 
I absolutely do. And the reason I ask you that question is because I'm a prophet. Like as a strategy. <laughs> no, no, for real. Seriously. I, I mean, the yeah. role the role of the prophet is not to comfort the king or the leader, but mm-hmm. to challenge them. And so every once in a while, you have to ask questions. You have to go into conversations mm-hmm. that could be considered uncomfortable. And yeah. even in that uncomfort, we both get to grow. We had a great first conversation, even though that was one of the things that I asked. And I asked it in reference to a conference and you all style on the radio uh, and, and all that good stuff. And I'm saying to you that if I was to do the, the uh, a, a show the way that you do it, mm-hmm. there would be a variety of people that would call me an angry black man. I was just at SRSC. Mm-hmm. Yeah in Austin and did my presentation and I did the presentation in an hour bringing people through uh, slavery and Jim Crow and segregation and black laws and all of that through Barack Obama ending with Donald Trump, which is where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And so in a brief three minutes or so, I use that illustration to kind of say, we've been really having this conversation for 400 years. Mm -hmm. 400, not 40, but 400. And so there is absolutely no way that you can say that black and brown people are lazy, that hiring black or brown people is lowering the bar, Mm -hmm. that you cannot find black or brown talent or diverse, uh, differently able talent or veteran talent or women talent that are are, are prepared. That's the tone of my conversation. You got to understand when I got my feedback, there were three people, three now, it was like 15 comments in my feedback, but mm-hmm. three people called me an angry black man. Wow. Why? Why am I angry? Because I'm telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm telling the truth. Like nothing that I said was not true, but I'm angry to you because you don't want to face the truth. And these people are supposed to be the enlightened people of HR, <laughs> HR, and right. recruiting in one of university, right. but yet they can't take a basic they history, a basic history lesson. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was fire and brimstone or not to be able to, to, to take that. And that's what kind of threw me was to actually put in your comments, angry black man. No, I've never had somebody call me an angry white man and you saying that and and Joel and I come off, uh, I'm sure a a hell of a lot more coarse than you do. That just, that (laughs) just shows that demonstrates the bullshit that you have to work through. Absolutely. Well, think about, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's book, lean in, um, talking about she doesn't want women who take leads to be called bossy or bitchy. They are lead. They're taking a leadership position. So I think, I think women probably face a similar uh, bias um, as African-Americans and Hispanics and others uh, that people like Chad and I just don't ever have to deal with or think about. And I think it's great that we're getting enlightened um, more more recently now than ever before, probably with even the Me Too movement uh, with with females and uh, you know, African-Americans. I think Trump Trump is bad, obviously, in a lot of different ways. But I, I do think in a weird way, he's shown a light on how we're more alike than we are different. If that's if that makes any sense at all. It makes a lot of sense. And what I ab- absolutely said, or I think as we rounded out that conversation, Chad, I just simply said that I try to encourage people, even though I'm not a trainer, I'm a strategist. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm a strategist, I try to help people with vernacular, if you will. I try to help shift the way that people think about, you you know, what it is that's around us. And so what I said was we need to get away from saying black on black crime. Like and we need to get away from 
uh, referring to Chicago when we start to talk about whatever as it relates to the black population. We have these these um, these things that are happening, if you will. And, and you don't ever hear white on white crime. Mm-hmm. You don't hear. Um, you know, folks talking about the uh, uh, the mafia and the mob up in New York City and y- you don't hear that. But but you hear like without any reservation, somebody will say, well, those black. Oh, you're not like them. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. What does that mean? Right. Because that's not a compliment to me. Uh-huh. I don't want you to tell me or my ch- your children are so well spoken. Well, what the fuck do you? I mean, yeah. what, what, what do you articulate? What, how do, right? How many yeah, times you heard articulate. that shit? Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear that. That's not a compliment. Yeah. And you may see it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. And I'm not calling you racist or anything. I, I'm just correcting right. you and just accept the fact that I'm correcting you out of love. Those are not compliments. They're not terms that we should be using on a regular basis, especially if we're not doing it broadly. If we're only doing it for one group of people then we're probably being a bit discriminatory, prejudiced, and we could be borderline racist. And I want to try to get people away from that. Well, Torn, we appreciate you actually taking time, coming on the show. Uh, what uh, If people want to learn more about you, what you do, where can they find you? Where can they, where can they get in touch with you to actually get some real movement into their diversity hiring? Well, first of all, let me just say thank you again. I appreciate the both of you for giving me the space. Uh, three things that I want to leave people with. It's important to note that one culture is not defined by or mutually exclusive to any one group. Number two, centering around people in the recruiting process tends to mature based on the actions, the conversations and the scenarios that are presented and pursued. Mm -hmm. And number three, ethnic, geographic and workplace demographic shifts are happening right now. The years that are important are 2019, 2030 and 2040. If you want to know more about 2019, 2030, 2040, or anything else that I've said, you can find me on all of social media at Torin Ellis, at T-O-R-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. Or you can go to his website, TorinEllis.com, and look at some really cool-ass videos. <laughs> well, and hopefully it'll be a new site up next week. By the time this goes out, uh, I should have a new site up. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> go check it out. Thanks, Torin. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely do. Thanks so much. We We out. out. Okay, 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 okay. Before we go, remember when I asked you about the whole reflex and check your text messages thing? Yeah, you know all about reflexes. Uh, And then I (laughs) brilliantly tied it to text messages, 97% open rate. Then I elegantly, elegantly (laughs) tied it to a better experience for your candidates. (laughs) Don't laugh, Chad. I can be elegant. Can't I? Whatever, man. I know it's redundant. You already heard about text to hire, but you're still not using text to hire from next. What? I, I know, man. Come on, man. Since advertising takes repetition to soak in, I just thought I'd remind you again, this was all by elegant design. It's all about text to hire and it's all about next. And elegant design. So go to chadcheese.com, click on the next logo. And get 25, yeah, I said 25% off your first text to hire campaign. Engage better, use text to hire from next. Two X's. Booyah. Thanks to our partners at TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Remember to visit tatech.org. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. 
This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.